Hey everyone, this is Larry from WSTrades.com. This podcast is about trading stocks and stock options. Any information in these podcasts should not be construed as advice. It's for educational and entertainment purposes only. We are not financial advisors. Hey everyone, it's Larry and James from WSTrades.com doing our weekly update podcast. How's it going, James? It's going pretty good, man. How are you? Well, my 49ers got cheated out of a win today, but I'm doing all right besides that. Ah, man, that was a great game. It just sucked being a Niner fan and seeing how it ended. But, yeah, if they didn't have so many stupid plays and turnovers, like maybe it wouldn't have come down to that. But, uh, yeah, Jimmy G was looking like uh, Joe Montana on that last drive, like he couldn't miss. Yeah, until he did. (laughs) Yeah, that was freaking, it was a good game. Uh, I mean, like you were saying, I was telling my wife, she's like, oh, they didn't make that call on pass interference. I was like, well, yeah, but we had like six turnovers going into that point. So kind of shot ourselves in the foot. Yeah, if they didn't play like trash, then it wouldn't have came down to that one call. But uh, yeah, it was a tough one. (laughs) All right, man, you want to go over your uh, trades from last week? Yeah, so... This past week, um, looking at my trades on Monday, remember, I uh, did not close my stuff out um, because of the holiday. So I ended up getting uh, assigned or I was short shares on Costco. I was short shares on Dollar Tree. So I ended up closing those out. So I did buybacks and um yeah, so I bought Dollar Tree shares back. I bought Costco shares back. Um, looking at it right now, boy, if I could have held on and wasn't in a margin call, I would have made a killing. But unfortunately, that's not the case. I had to close those out on Monday to kind of clear up my account because, geez, Costco backed off 20 bucks and then Dollar Tree backed off a good five or six bucks. Um, and then I was along Baba. Thank God I dumped that one because they're down at 111 now and when I bought when I sold they were at 131 so they've dumped another $20 um Disney's pretty much where where I sold it at so I sold it at 146.58 and they're at 146.80 so pretty much at the same price and then thankfully I sold uh Sava as well cuz I sold them at 56.70 and now they're down at 45.90 um, that one I actually thought about selling a call against and holding the shares and maybe doing a covered call, but um, I'm glad I didn't because they died with pretty much everything um, super hard. And then it looks like I went long Dow Micro Futures. Um, so even though I knew it probably wasn't the bottom, I knew it might be close. So I went long when it was at 34,973. So, yeah, once it dipped below 35, that was good enough for me. They're only down a couple hundred points from uh, that right now. So I think I'm down like 100 bucks on that contract. It's not bad. But um, you and I were talking about it. We were kind of thinking that Dow has bled enough. Um, NASDAQ probably going to bleed some more. But SPY and Dow, you know, had bled out pretty good amount. So, um, yeah, hopefully Dow is kind of getting its legs together and, isn't going to make another big move lower. Um, I sold. So after I got blown up on my GPS or my gap put uh, from earnings, uh, after they made that massive move down, I sold another put. It was the 1650. 
Um, and that barely finished out of the money. Like they were struggling with everything. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to probably roll this out another week or, uh, you know, what am I going to do? Close it out at a loss. And they just went on a rip, I think, Friday and like finished just above it. I don't know if they finished like 1670 or 1680, but they just barely got out on that one. And then space, I sold um, a 15 put on them, which... Uh, I think they finished in the 14s. So I think I ended up rolling that out another week for like 40 buck credit. Um, and then uh, Chegg or CHGG. Um, I think I did a video on the YouTube channel for them and they were just so beat down. I mean, the move they were making on the daily chart, like the RSI was like, looked like it was at zero. And I'm just like, this is nuts because their price targets are still pretty good. Um, so I was just like, man, this thing is so beat down and, you know, I mean, it's not like they're going bankrupt or anything crazy like that. So I went long at 2633 and they are up at, or they closed at 2856, I think. So I'm already up like a couple hundred bucks on that one. Um, I also sold the 30 call, which is the December monthly against that. So I was pretty much just looking to like, uh, you know, make a couple hundred bucks and then be out. So if they finish above 30 uh, by December 17th or whatever the monthlies are, then I'll get the shares called away and I'll, you know, be totally happy with that. Um, so that one's looking pretty good for me. And then I still have shares on X. They died off pretty good. So I sold the 24 and a half call, which they didn't make it above that. So um, I went max profit on that call and then it looks like i put on another trade for december monthlies on smh because they have been on such a freaking tear uh they were so overextended to the upside that i was like man i better put on another december position for these guys because they're probably going to die and then when the market started selling off they did pull back pretty good um and then I'm still building out my Januaries too. So I sold a put on KRE uh, for January. And then also I sold puts on the Qs for January. I think just because markets made such a big move lower, um, I was like, man, January 21st is still a good ways out. So I think, you know, the Qs are going to, uh, start to bottom out here pretty soon. So I sold puts on there, uh, put spread on there. Um, and then what else here? Oh, another. Yeah, I ended up, I think once my original GPS or gap put went in the money, I sold another put, the 16. I went max profit on that because they rallied nicely. And then is this one oh yeah i made like a one or two day to expiration vix trade um after the vix popped hard i was like man this thing's gonna contract it's gonna go down so i sold um the 2930 um one wide spread on the vix and it was expiring december 1st so i think that thing only had like one day to expiration and it was like perfect timing because vix options expire in the morning and the vix popped off that day like super hard so like if it would have been like one day later i would have went max loss on that thing because i think the vix finished at like 31 or 32 um at the end of regular hours um on december 1st but yeah i ended up going max profit there 
And then um, I sold a put on SLV. They've been making a pretty good move lower. Um, so I sold a put there. That's for January monthlies. Um, and then space, after they blew up my 15 put, I ended up selling the 14 put because I'm like, no way this thing is the 14 is going to go in the money. So I went max profit on that. And then I went out for the following week on VIX and I just sold a naked call, a 50 call um, and grabbed 60 bucks. And I think I'm up on that one because it did pop off a little bit, but then it kind of died off. Yeah, I'm up like 15 bucks on that trade right now. Um, so kind of took some chances there. I think I text you and after I made that trade and said, I hope VIX doesn't go to 90. That's going to blow me up pretty good. Um, yeah, and then my response was, if VIX is at 90, we're in bigger trouble than that <laughs> one call. <laughs> it's like, yeah, don't worry about that one position, dude, because like the world's coming to an end. Um, so, and then Kroger, you alerted me to this one. Um, yeah, I appreciate the heads up. They were up like 12 or 13% after earnings. And just like you, when I saw that, I'm like, well, I'm going to have to sell a call on this. Like, this is stupid. I mean, they're really pretty low price ticker. So to make the moves they were making, um, I sold the 46 call and yeah, they died off pretty hard late in the week. So I went max profit on the Kroger call that I sold. And then I also sold a put on FXI. That's the China large cap ETF. So that's for um, um, January monthlies. Um, so that one, yeah, they've been making a pretty good move lower lately with with a lot of things. So I kind of liked going out there and grabbing, uh, you know, or selling a put on that. And then a totally uh, speculative thing that I usually don't do at all. I went long CFVI because uh, last time on DWAC, I had the order queued up on my phone when they were trading at like 10 or 11 bucks. It was like the story came out the day before. I think you told me about it, about DWAC. You're like, hey, this thing is probably going to rip. And it's just not my kind of trade. I just don't go out there and just buy shares of stuff, especially stuff that's just come on the market. Because you can just see these crazy swings that these things make. But on DWAC, I had the freaking order queued up on my phone for 100 shares at like 10 or 11 bucks. And I didn't make the trade. And then DWAC went to whatever. I don't even know what they went to. Was it like 120 or 150? Like they made some insane moves after that. I remember I was telling you like, geez, dude, I'm such an idiot for not going long there. So CFVI comes out and then a story comes out about them with Rumble. So Rumble is going to, you know, um, merge with them or whatever. And CFVI is going to be the ticker pretty much for Rumble. Rumble is going to go public. And I was like, well, I don't think it's going to have that same type of DWAC price action. But you and I were talking about it and we were saying it's probably going to pump. So I bought in at 1055 and then a story came out on Friday. I think it was like um, the CEO or somebody uh, was on Bloomberg, I think, and he was talking about um, how I think Rumble or, yeah, Rumble or CFVI, they're going to do something with content distribution with DWAC. And I was like, oh, man, after I saw that story, uh, this thing's probably going to rip. And, yeah, they finished, like, in the mid-13s or something. Um, so they ripped super hard. So I'm up uh, pretty good on that trade. Um, and then I went long also TQQQ, 
because I think I was telling you once NASDAQ futures hit a 1000 point pullback, like I've got to go long something on NASDAQ because that's like a really good discount. So I went long and grabbed a couple shares of uh, TQQQ and I'm up like four or five bucks on that. I bought in at like 146 and I see they're up around 150 right now. Um, so yeah, that one's looking pretty good for me. And then I had to roll that space 15 put. Well, I didn't have to, but I was like, ah, they're going to recover at some point here. I'm going to keep rolling that put. So I rolled my 15 put out a week and I grabbed an extra 41 bucks. Um, so kind of decreased my, uh, or lowered my break even and whatnot as well. And then I went out and sold another call on X because that one, uh, 24 and a half call expired. Um, so I just did another, another cover call on X that expires, uh, this coming Friday. Nice. Yeah. I wish I had the, I don't know. I'm not going to call it, uh, smarts because it's like not my trading style like you with, uh, DWEC. When I, I when <laughs> yeah. I literally that night before I was like, dude, DWEC's going to freaking rip tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And you look at it the next day, you just make a massive freaking move. And I didn't touch it. So I was like, by the time I looked at it, they were, it had already jumped. Like, I don't know what the hell it was. 50, hundred percent. And I was like, well, I'm too late for this. I ain't touching it. Cause it's probably going to come right back down. And they kept on ripping. And the same thing with uh, CFBI. When you text me, like I saw that they were ripping, and then you text me and said that they, it was official, they were going to be involved with DWAC and everything. And then I was thinking I was going to look at this ticker and they're going to be up like 3,000%. But they had mm -hmm. actually dumped since the last time I saw them. And I was like, okay, I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm not going to touch it. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, they finished up, you know, 12.5%. And then after hours, ripped another dollar and a half. But it's like, it's fun to play. It's fun to play things like that and speculate. But for me, like I've get, gotten burned so many times. It's like, I don't know, man, sometimes I'll jump into stuff like that if I'm just kind of dicking around and got extra money or whatever. But these past, I don't know, three weeks or so, I've been trying to like keep myself a little cooler and have a little more principled trades. And I've been doing really well. I mean, it's not, I'm, you know, not making 12% per trade. Like, you know, if I bought DWAC or uh, CFBI, but it's, you know, I'm not losing money. So I'm trying to keep myself there and just tell myself, okay, just, you know, maybe if something comes up, you can gamble a little bit. But it, yeah, it's, man, looking at those freaking tickers, especially DWAC pisses me off the most because I literally texted you the night before and was like, dude, this thing's going to rip in the morning and didn't touch it. Yeah, that's why I, I queued it up and ah, so stupid. But yeah, I mean, that's why I didn't pull the trigger because it's just not my style. I just don't go out and buy, you know, SPACs or anything that just hits the market uh, because things are just so volatile and stuff is crazy and it's all over the place. And like, it's just not my style. So after I missed out on DWAC, I was like, dude, I'm going to kick myself if CFBI does the same thing. So I've got to do it. Like I didn't put a ton of capital into it, but I was like, I got to put something at this and just, just know that I might lose it. But if something nutty happens, you know, just give it a try. But yeah, it's definitely not, not my style and I'm not doing trades like that very often at all. Yeah. I was just thinking about it and I'm a, liar so like when trades like if, if something like cfbi or dwac or whatever come up then i go into the trade knowing 
that this is a 100% gamble and I might lose everything. And I literally did it last week. I completely forgot about uh, BFRI where I was oh, trading yeah. before their earnings. <laughs> and I, you know, it was a small amount of capital, but I literally got into that knowing that, well, this thing might go to zero tomorrow and I'm going to lose everything. <laughs> and I did it on BFRI, which is down like 50% from when I got in. Maybe that's why you didn't want to go into CF, CFVI as well. Cause yeah, the whole BFRI thing was like, should I do away from doing that again anytime soon? That could be it. I just, yeah, yeah. That's, that's usually how it works. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how this thing works out. Hopefully it gets nutty and everybody sells their DWAC and piles into CFVI and it goes to 150. But um, yeah, I just, I'm probably not going to be doing trades like that too often. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you got the right mindset for it. Like I do when I do gambling trades i know it's a gamble i'm not you know going on uh stock twits and talking about how there's all sorts of crazy manipulation and the hedgies are trying to get me and crap <laughs> yeah you know you know your risk up front <laughs> all right man so bfri just talked about that uh got into that last week um another thing i had dick sporting goods call option uh spread ahead on them finished uh uh, max profit on that. Then I had another one I opened on Wednesday, which was Futu. I had a call spread on them, went max profit. Uh, XBX, SPXU, which is the triple leverage short uh, S&P. I went long shares of that. And it was funny because I texted you after I went long. And I was only holding for, I think it was about an hour and a half. And I opened that on, what is it? That's Wednesday as well. And then I looked at S&P's chart, and I was like, man, I don't feel good about this. I think S&P's about to just about be at the bottom. You know, S&P and Dow look like they're primed for a move up. I still think uh, QQQ has a little bit further to go down. Uh, but so as soon as I looked at S&P's chart, I was like, nah, I'm going to close this thing out. So it was a super quick, like, hour and a half long trade, a uh, little snipe for 3%, close that out. Um and the only other thing I had was, uh, like you, I uh, sold the call spread on Kroger after they made that massive like 13% rip after earnings and uh, volatility was through the roof. So sold the call spread on them and that also went max profit. So super happy the past, I don't know, two, three weeks, whatever it's been, that I've been kind of trading more like I used to. I've been 100% with my uh, option trades, so cross your fingers I can keep it up and, you know, not do too many BFRI things with my capital and, you know, make some profit. Nice. Yeah, that's kind of like with my monthly things. I just got into that super consistent. Like, I've only had one losing month on the monthly contracts, and I think I ate that loss up with so many other months. Um I want to say like I lost like six or seven percent. I think it was August that got me, but then I've had so many other like seven or eight percent months. And then I think one month was even like 15 or 16 percent or something stupid. So it totally made up for like that August. And like um, that's how I feel with, you know, the way things have been going for you lately. Uh, you're on a roll and like that's why I'm continuing to do. Uh, what I'm doing on the monthlies because yeah it just feels good when you have like that super high win rate and you know you're you're playing pretty far away from the money 
and you know you're not like having a lot of stress on your trades yeah that's the thing like with kroger when you text me and you were like oh, i sold the whatever calls you had sold I was like, yeah, I'm not that ballsy. I went, look. I went the next strikeout because I looked at their chart and I was like, yeah, they made a massive rip uh, higher, but this looks like a good resistance point. Like they are not going to hit this. So I sold the like strike right above whatever you had uh, sold short, and you know it was far less stressful. Like I'm sure you weren't stressing because they made that fat 13% movement a day, so they weren't going to keep that up, but. I, you know, going further out of the money and, you know, not being greedy like I was before has really, you know, been working out for me well. Yeah, for sure. I know what you mean. If there's like a strike there, that's just like, eh, I don't really quite want, I see that a lot of the time. Like I like to do 30 deltas and stuff. And if I see something that's like a 35 to 40% chance in the money, I'm just like, nah, I'm going to go one further out. Like I'll, I'd rather do like a 28, 29% chance versus like a 35 or a 36. Um, and you made a good point too about your trade on the SPXU or whatever, like right now with this huge move down on all the indexes, I'm not selling calls anytime soon. Everything I'm looking at right now is to the put side. Um, so yeah, I'm not like any spreads on like the Q's or spy or DIA. Those are all going to be puts right now because you, I mean, we know how these indexes act. They make these quick, hard moves down and then they just bounce right back and they're like at all time highs within a month. Yeah, I was, I was going to film a video and didn't do it, uh, last night. And I was looking at the indexes, man, and I think, like, they trade off of the FIBs pretty well. And that's when I saw the S&P had, had a 50% drawback when I exited my SPXU because I was like, no, I, 50% seems like a good pullback for them. Uh, I'm going to get out. But then I'm looking at a lot of the uh, highest-weighted tickers in these, uh, all of the indexes, and I don't know, man. I think they, I think everything might pull back to that like 61 percent level like nothing to me it looks like amazon's gonna give it back uh apple's a really freaking tricky one because they're trading off of a trend line that i had drawn back for months and months and they're like right at it they're trading just above it just below it and i don't know man everything right now is just kind of super i i don't have an idea where anything's gonna go so i'm kind of treading lightly with my trading because, you know, sometimes you can be like, okay, we're way overextended. I'm selling calls on everything. Or, you know, everything's bottomed out for sure. Time to start ripping. But, like, with this whole new COVID variant and, you know, all this crap, it's like, I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm kind of sitting back and waiting on some stuff unless something, like, jumps up in my face, a certain ticker. Uh, kind of just sitting back and waiting to get a really high probability trade on. Yeah, if you want to do something shorter term, maybe once you really see um, that stuff is at the bottom, then you'll probably like, you know, be more comfortable with uh, pulling the trigger for sure. But yeah, everything I'm doing right now is definitely to the put side because it's like, man, this stuff is at such a discount right now. And like, uh, yeah, definitely expect stuff to start bouncing in a while. And then like in between... Uh, you know, all-time high and a nice little bottom, 
I guess I kind of trade wherever, but then once stuff gets to the top again and like stuff is at all time highs again, like I'm, I'm selling calls again. <laughs> like I'm just like, know that things are going to, you know, fall off a cliff any day, but um, yeah, we'll kind of see uh, what happens here. I know futures are pretty big, right? Well, I think Dow is up pretty big. Um, NASDAQ's pretty flat and then yeah, S&P is up pretty good too. So yeah, we'll kind of see what happens with the indexes. But um, yeah, you and I were talking about NASDAQ in particular, and I know that NASDAQ futures on the daily chart, like that thing hasn't retraced to the trend line yet that I threw on my chart. So I could definitely see um, NASDAQ futures dying off another couple hundred points for sure. Yeah, like I just pulled up QQQ and... Okay, I'm gonna throw a prediction out here. If it doesn't bounce off right now, they hit that like 50% retracement, mm-hmm. and buyer stepped in. So you've got a nice little wick sticking out at the bottom of the daily chart. Mm-hmm. But if that doesn't hold, which I'm not confident it will, looking at the all the other um, heavily weighted tickers in Nasdaq, then I think it's going to come down and hit that trend line that I have drawn. And also, that would correspond with the 61.8% FIB level at about, I don't know, 373-ish in, I don't know, I'd say a week or so. Like, so, yeah, I'm just not confident that this is the bottom. It's it's a good 50% retracement, but with all the crap going on, I'm I'm not confident this is the bottom quite yet. Yeah, NASDAQ makes bigger swings than like the S&P, I think, when you look at it. And then, you know, Russell makes like even bigger swings than NASDAQ. But yeah, just looking at the futures um, in September, when we had that uh, sell off that started in September and then we kind of bottomed out in October, um, the NASDAQ futures went all the way down and touched 30 on the RSI on the daily. So it went all the way down to the oversold level. And like right now, we're still above 40. So, yeah, I mean, NASDAQ has no problem retracing to like 30 on the RSI. Um, But then in like, I think the earlier sell-offs, maybe like March and May, it didn't go all the way down to 30 on the RSI. I think one of those sell-offs bounced at 40 and then one of them bounced at like 35. So like it doesn't always go all the way down and hit the oversold level but like in that october sell-off it did so yeah i can see it like bouncing any day but i'm not going to be surprised if that thing hits 30 on the rsi on the daily yeah well this this rip was just so ridiculous (laughs) this last uptrend we're in yeah it's like it's not perpendicular but it's like a crazy run that they had night eight and it seems like that's kind of par for the course after the covid crash it's just if you look at the chart from like a pull up a five year chart and you know, the stocks, the indexes kind of got this nice steady trend up and then, you know, have a little retracement, but this is a nice steady trend to it. And then after COVID it was like, Nope, just let's go straight up and down. Like there's everyone buy everything. And it just hasn't really changed since the COVID recovery. It's just like, everything is just straight up and down and you got a fat, crazy sell off to make up for that insane move. And it's just, I don't know, man, it's just that last rip that we had, especially in the queues like Dow, I'd be fine selling puts on Q on uh Dow. Cause they've had almost a 100% retracement from uh, the rally that they had. 
So I feel comfortable with that, but that just insane freaking move that NASDAQ made. I, I don't know, man. I, th- I still think everything's way too high priced right now. Yeah, looking at the futures, I know this is the December futures um, on NASDAQ, but looking at this chart in May, it we had a big market sell-off in May. And when it started to rally up from there, it was a much slower climb. Like it, it was still a pretty good rip, but it was nothing like what we just had from like whatever this is, mid-October or whatever, when things kind of found a bottom on NASDAQ and started to rip. I mean, this move was just like so parabolic. It was way more parabolic than what happened when we had that May sell-off. And that May sell-off was the nastiest sell-off we had this year. I remember NASDAQ dumped like 1,700 points, the NASDAQ futures. I mean, it was insane. I remember you and I were texting back and forth a lot during that sell-off. We were just like, when is this going to end? Like, this is so freaking ugly. So that was even a much nastier sell-off. But then the rebound was not as hard as what just happened in October. Like I couldn't believe the way NASDAQ moved almost straight up. Like if you look at the daily chart on the NASDAQ futures, there were only three red candles in that run. Like that was just like ridiculous. But then you look back to the May bottom, it's like, all right, couple green candles, red candle, green, red, green, red. Like there's a little bit of a mixture there, you know, it's not like just a straight a vertical line but like this last rally that started in october i mean this was like as close to a, a freaking straight up vertical move as you can get yeah that's why i don't trust it man because typically <laughs> when you have a uh insane rip higher it's accompanied by an equal rip lower like to a certain extent wherever the the bottom is when it finds it, it's typically like if you go straight up, you're coming straight down until buyers step in and they're like, okay, this seems like a good price. So I don't know, man. I, I still cues and spy. I'm a little comfortable. I, you know, just selling uh, puts on spy. I think it's still coming down a little bit. Dow for sure with a 100% retracement, but the cues, nah, I think they still got to, I'm predicting, put it on your calendars, people. Uh, QQQ will be at 273. Uh, I, I'm going to say a week. I'll give it a week. Wait, 373, right? Yeah, what did I say? You said 273. I was like, oh, oh God, man, no. people are going <laughs> to. Don't, don't gonna, 273. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> people well, are going to liquidate, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that'd be funny. Ugh. All right, cool. Well, yeah, let's see. We'll kind of see what happens here. Uh, But yeah, I think we're both in agreement for sure on freaking NASDAQ. Like, we're not going to be surprised if it dies off a little more. Yeah. Uh, So speaking of volatility and crashes, you wanted to go over VIX today? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of good with the big move down we've been having. um, Yeah, VIX is a good topic. Um, So yeah, I just want to talk about a little bit about the VIX and kind of, you know, what it is, what it tells you, um, what it's based off of. So um, the ticker VIX is, that's the ticker symbol for the uh, CBOE market volatility index. And pretty much what VIX is going to tell you is volatility in the markets. And it's based on the implied volatility and pricing of options uh, in the S&P 500. So typically when the S&P 500 starts to sell off, the VIX will rise. It's not like 100% of the time you're going to see that behavior, but most of the time 
the S&P 500 starts dumping, implied volatility spikes, uh, options on S&P 500 spike, the VIX pops off. Um, so people also call it like the fear index or the fear gauge. Um, so yeah, pretty much when markets are kind of calm and just slowly trickling up or I guess even ripping in the case of NASDAQ and you know Dow and everything else was making a nice rip higher and things are going higher, pretty much the VIX is going to be calming down and going much lower. Um, and also like VIX um, kind of tells you too what the expected change is in the S&P 500 index over a 30-day period or like the next 30 days, um, but then it's also annualized. So like if you had an example, like let's just say the VIX is at 15, it's like super low, Markets have been just kind of on a tear. Things have been ticking up. Um, the VIX is at 15. It's pretty much going to tell you that an annualized change of 15% is expected um, in the S&P 500. And since that's annualized, you know, you would divide that 15% by 12 months, which would give you like 1.25% up or down. So like wherever the S&P 500 is right now, you know, and the VIX is at 15, that means people are just expecting it to move up or down 1.25% um, in the next 30 days or move up 15%, um, up or down 15% within the next year. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is it's basically think of it as a percentage basis where if VIX was at 12, then that's a 12% move in a year, divide that by 12 and that means that S&P is probably going to move like 1%. And it's kind of, and like you said, it's based off the option. So when it goes up, it basically means that there's a lot of people out there hedging, buying puts, making sure that, you know, they're getting scared. Things are starting to dump. They want to make sure that, you know, if it dumps too hard that they're kind of covered. So they bought that insurance. So that's when you see a big spike in the VIX. Yeah, that could kind of tell you too. Um, I know we look at the VIX a lot because it definitely tells us, you know, the volatility and stuff. Of course, we can look at like the S&P 500 and that's going to tell us too, like what's going on with the S&P 500. We can figure out if options are cheap or expensive just by looking at the S&P 500, like with the big move down that we've had recently, you can definitely expect implied volatility to be up and those options uh, to be pretty expensive. You know, when the S&P 500 makes a big move down, um, but yeah, you can also look at the VIX to really get an idea like where the VIX is like right now, um, just looking at it on my little, I have it on my main watch list, but yeah, I guess it's above 30. So 30, uh, 67. Um, so you can kind of take a look at that and you can look back on some charts, like maybe the daily chart, look a year back, you know, look back on the weekly chart, just kind of get an idea, like, where are we at in the bigger picture of things like VIX 30 might seem high to some people or to some situations, but it just all kind of depends on what you're comparing it to, because VIX at 30 is not a big deal if you're comparing it to like some of the collapses we had in like 2007, 2008, or, you know, Corona crash 2020, um, when the VIX like, you know, really popped off a lot harder and was, you know, a lot higher um, than where it's at right now. And that's kind of why I uh, sold a call 
on it when it popped up so hard because if you look even i'm looking at the daily chart in the vix right now when you see these kind of run-ups to 30 40 you see they retrace pretty quickly unless we're in one of those complete economic collapses you see they really just retrace so like when you have this pretty good volatility in the market and the vix spikes up most of the time it dies off really quickly so if you sell calls on these spikes that's actually not a bad strategy. You know, the only time you need to be kind of uh, aware of that type of a strategy is what are you going to do if it is the next economic collapse? So you don't want to go out and sell that 50 call and then a collapse like Corona happens and the VIX is at 90. So you just want to make sure that like you've got a spread on or, you know, you got the capital in your account to handle the VIX going to like a 90 or a hundred, as long as you, um, you know, position size properly, then yeah. I mean, if you look at the daily on the VIX, every time it makes a little pop up, if you went out and sold the call and you could go really far away from the money on it because, you know, option prices are through the roof when, you know, the VIX pops up and markets are selling off. Um, so I've done like a little bit of that kind of trading. Um, you know, I did the one last week and I did another one expiring, uh, I think it's December 8th. So I think it, uh, I guess, expires on Tuesday or something, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, that can be like a, you know, something you can trade around, you know, these little spikes in the VIX. Yeah, it's interesting you brought that up how, like, I just pulled up the weekly chart on the VIX. And the only time that I'm seeing that we've had, uh, like, the past two weekly candles on the VIX, you got a massive rip higher. And then kind of a gap down and then it ripped higher again it was during covid crash every time every other time it's one big fat candle up and the next week vix just gets crushed and falls right back down but now this week or these past two weeks you have two big fat candles in in the vix so it's a little interesting just to look at the chart and uh and see that because nort like you said typically it's a fat rip up and then it just dies off, but this past two weeks is two fat candles up, so uh, a little interesting. Yeah, that's a good point, because looking on the May sell-off, which was really the biggest sell-off we've had this year, I'm pretty sure, just like I don't think the NASDAQ futures have pulled back 1,700 points um, since May, and yeah, it looks like the VIX peaked around, like it didn't even hit 30 it looks like at least on the weekly chart. So yeah, it's kind of interesting that we haven't had that same kind of a drawdown, but uh, like you're saying, those are two big candles that like, as far as the VIX is concerned, things look more volatile um, versus that sell-off in May. Um, and then another thing to point out too, is when the VIX is really low, um, I think I've texted you about this too. And I, I think I made a trade, only one trade this year, but I remember the VIX was like at 15 or 16. And I was like, this thing's going to pop. Like, you know, a sell-off is around the corner. Like we've had a good four or five sell-offs this year. So I went out and bought a call, but I made sure there was plenty of time to expiration. I want to say it was like a couple months out or something. And then a sell-off started, the VIX popped, you know, I was profitable on the call, so I sold the call. But that's like another strategy you can have too, because when the VIX dies off around that 15 level or so, <clears throat> markets are kind of calm. Uh, pr option prices are cheap too, because nobody's expecting anything. The markets are just kind of quiet. 
um, you know, volatility is low, so things are cheap. So that's another way to play the VIX too. Once it really gets quiet and heads around that 15, 16, 14 level in that range, that's a good time to probably buy a call. I just wouldn't do it in the very short-term expiration because sometimes, you know, markets just kind of rip for a while. They might rip for a month or two before they have a pretty good pullback. So like just leave yourself some time. So like theta doesn't eat away. Um, but yeah, I was able to do a, you know, a long call on the VIX this year and make a little bit of money. Yeah, just looking at the VIX chart again, before COVID, VIX would come down and hit around like 1150, it looks like. And yeah, then yeah. you'd have a spike. Then it'd draw down to around 1150, wouldn't get below it, spike, spike, dump down to 1150, COVID happens, have this insane mm -hmm. rip to 85, and then dumps off. And now after COVID, looks like, you know, the new levels around, I don't know, 1450, it looks like, where it mm -hmm. just hits that and then spikes up, hits that, kind of hits sideways. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Susan draws down to around that 1450 level. Seems like a real good time to start selling put spreads. Yeah, and then when it spikes up, too, I guess if you didn't want to sell calls and go that direction, you could also buy puts. Um because, yeah, you see these moves up to like 30 and 40 and then they it draws down to like 20, 15 in that range. So that could be another thing as long as like the extrinsic value that you're going to pay for the put um, isn't too high and it like kind of makes sense. I guess that's another way you could kind of trade it. But, you know, that's a good point, too, that you're talking about the weekly chart because it gives you that visual before COVID. And, yeah, I mean, we haven't seen the VIX at those levels, like you're saying, there's a low, I'm looking at the three-year weekly chart, there's a low on the VIX of 11. Like, dude, we haven't seen 11 since the COVID crash. So that's kind of a good point, like talking about the levels of the VIX and the movement of the indexes is so much more violent. Like you're saying, it's just like vertical uh, to the moon and then crazy sell-off and then vertical to the moon, crazy sell-off. And it shows in the chart of the VIX. Yeah, it's funny. I just pulled up the uh, the five year weekly chart, and you have this massive rip to almost ninety dollars in two thousand eight, and then what the hell date is this? Um, look like May of two thousand ten, spikes mm -hmm. up to around almost fifty bucks, and then same thing. You just go over. Uh, what the hell is this? Uh, 8 1 2011 hits that same mark, dies off, and then like it just keeps on just having these little spikes and then dies off. So, yeah, if you can, especially when it's spiking like that, selling calls against it, knowing that it's just going to kind of dump off, like you were saying, it mm -hmm. seems like a real good because obviously, you know, we're talking about VIX and that's implied volatility. So, if you can catch one of these spikes and just know that it's going to die off soon because people are going to start stepping into the market and buying, uh, then, you know, you're going to get paid a high premium when VIX spikes, you know, at one of these insane rallies. Yeah, that's why I was all able to go out to like 50 and the probability in the money was like 6%. And I'm like, damn, I'm getting paid 50 bucks to trade something that's a 94% chance of max profit. So I was like, yeah. And then looking at like the COVID crash on the weekly chart, I mean, you had four good green candles as it ripped up from about 24, 23, up to that high of, well, on the weekly chart, it shows a high of like 85, 47, but look how long it took to collapse below 50, two weeks, 
like you had that up to 85. So if you bought something with like at least a couple, you know, if you bought a put or you sold a call that at least had a couple weeks to expiration, you're gold, man. Because like you're saying, once the prices get cheap, eventually people are going to buy. Like the VIX is not just going to keep going up, 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 up until the NASDAQ, the Dow and the S&P hit zero. Like it just doesn't happen. Like eventually people are going to buy it because the prices are so freaking cheap. Like they're not going to be able to pass it up. So like if you just buy, you know, buy yourself or sell yourself a little bit of time, you, sometimes you only need a couple of weeks for the VIX to go from 85 to like 45. Yeah, that's a good point about, you know, you talking about the spikes and then this quick retracements is that's how the markets work like a, especially you know vix is based off of the s p and it's got what like eight is it eight or ten percent uh rate or a gain rate for the year so mm -hmm. it's you know at sooner or later something yeah you have people getting fearful and selling and hedging and then sooner or later they look at it and like oh that's a freaking good price so they start buying again like it's it's always just going to be this basic gradual trend up no matter what so yeah you'll see these spikes in the vix and then that'd be a gorgeous time to you know either sell some calls or buy some puts in it yeah for sure um yeah i just wanted to say one or a couple other things here about the vix um the vix pricing is calculated using like near term and next term uh, option months for the spx or the s p 500 um so it's actually going to be looking at like the next expiration and then the one after that. And then when you come like less than 10 days to go um, in a month's expiration, um, the VIX is going to roll the calculation to like the next set of contracts months. So it would go like two months out or two and three months out, I guess. And then um, like another thing kind of, that might give you an idea too that's not really VIX but might give you an idea like where the fear is in the market if a bunch of orders start to come in like um, where people are wanting to buy puts and kind of hedge and you know market participants are seeing like oh man the market is going to dump or the market is going to go down that might be another way as well to kind of get an idea of what people are thinking um, if the markets start to dump or we start to see like some some volatility step in, if you see a bunch of people like looking to buy puts on the S&P 500 and like a bunch of orders for those options come in, that can be like another way, you know, you, you can kind of see what people are thinking and maybe like people are freaking out. Yeah, I'm actually going to Google that. Uh, you're talking about the put to call ratio. Yeah, exactly. You've got a bunch of people piling in, like thinking the markets are going to dump hard, <laughs> like might be out there buying puts to a hedge. Uh, Thinkorswim has a ticker for the put to call ratio. I don't. It's something really weird. I'm just going to look it up real quick. Yeah, that's cool. I'd definitely like to see, check that out and kind of see what that looks like and compare it to the VIX. Crap. I'm going to have to look it up. If I, once I find it, I'll leave it in the description of the podcast. Uh, I actually learned about it in uh, John Carter's book. He talks about that and a bunch of other little weird tickers. I, they start with a weird symbol. I don't remember what the hell it was. I haven't read that book in a while. 
it's like not a it might be a dollar sign even i don't know it's some weird stuff that you type in uh where you're, you're searching for tickers but yeah uh once i figure it out i'll leave it in the uh the description of this podcast so if anyone's uh, anyone's interested in it, it's you know it's like you were saying it's a good thing to know if the put call ratio is like super everyone's like buying puts instead of calls it's good to know where everyone else is thinking the market's going yeah so this is interesting i just googled it really quick and i found this website called y charts but it is showing a cboe put call ratio and it doesn't show me like a ticker or anything but it just says cboe put call ratio and it spiked up to 0.74 on december 3rd oh is it i colon cbo this might be the ticker i colon cboe epcr maybe that's what it is let me see i colon cboe epcr i couldn't find that let me see if it uh but yeah, I found it there. And you know what's kind of interesting about it? We were talking about the um, May sell-off versus the, you know, the sell-off we're having right now. And yeah, the put-to-call ratio, according to this, is at 0.74 as of December 3rd. And then during the May sell-off, we only got up to 0.63. So that's kind of another interesting thing there. The put-to-call ratio right now, or as of December 3rd, is higher than it was during the May sell-off, which was the nastiest sell-off we've had this year. Yep, um, I think I might have found it. So we'll put benchmark index performance for hypothetical portfolio to sell indexes put options against. Okay, so it's ticker symbol put, P-U-T. Oh, okay. And that's CBOE's S&P 500 put right index ticker symbol put mm -hmm. is benchmark index that measures the performance of hypothetical portfolio that sells S&P 500 index SPX uh, put options against collateralized cash. Mm -hmm. God, that's not it either. There's man. I don't that's, know. I'm gonna... Yeah, that looks like S&P 500 chart. Yeah, I don't know why this website won't tell me like if this is a ticker. It gives me a graph kind of showing like the ratio is kind of high right now for sure. But yeah, it's uh, interesting to see there that like the VIX right now, the put call ratio is a lot higher than it was comparing it to me. Interesting. Well, I'm still looking for a little bit of a pullback. Yeah. Not much, Not much but... <laughs> little bit um yeah i'm even on the cboe's website right now hoping they would give me some kind of a ticker but it's uh just gives me the data but yeah it says right there even on the cboe equity put call ratio right now is 0.74 so um yeah let's kind of see what happens dow's uh ripping like there's no tomorrow right now but um yeah we'll kind of see what happens when the volume kicks in yeah, what was it last week when Russell was up like two percent, and when the actual market opened, they dumped like one percent. Yeah, that seems to be going on lately too. Like I've noticed, like during the sell-off, is like the after-hours, middle of the night stuff. Thing things look all great, and then once the market opens, like all the gains disappear. <laughs> yep. Uh, weird. All right, man. Did you have anything else you wanted to go over? Um, no, just, uh, 
maybe just a couple tickers maybe for next week that I might be looking at. Looks like I sold FXI. Um, so GDX, I need a gold position for January. So I'm probably going to sell a put on GDX. My uh, December is in the money by like 30 cents. So they're making a pretty good move lower, like a lot of things. So I'll probably sell a put on GDX. Um, and then I don't have, well, actually I do have an IWM play on already. Uh, KRE, let's see, SLV, I think I sold put there. Oh, SMH, so that thing, now that they're starting to sell off, I'm not sure what I'm gonna do there. I might still go call side, but I'll probably sell a call spread on SMH. Um, and then I don't have a position in January for SPY either. So yeah, might do something on SPY, probably a put spread. Okay. Um, let me pull that up again. Actually, I'm just, there's two uh, that I'm looking at making trades on. And it's kind of, like I always say, it's kind of a wait and see what's going on. Facebook's one. Uh, there's a price level almost 300 exactly where way back in uh march they had hit that 300 level and died off and then ripped above it and just ever since just been in a pretty much fat uptrend they died off they hit it on friday but buyer stepped in and pulled it back up so i'm waiting to see if they actually hold that 300 level i hope they don't uh, so I can start selling calls against it because I'm looking for a drawdown to about 287. And yeah. Apple's same thing. They're just trading off of that trend line. And right now they're just above it. And it seems like ever since they broke through it, because I mean, let me pull up the weekly chart to where the hell I started the drawing at. Uh, uh, drawing starts at 831.20 on the weekly chart. And then... Yeah. They had a nice rally up, and it hits the January 25th of 2021, and then they've hit it once more or once before, dumped down, and then right now they just keep on like chopping right around it. And I'm looking for Apple to make a drawdown to this uh, lower level. It's almost in like a perfect pennant um, move right now, and I'd like to see them come down and hit that lower level, but it's it's way down there. So I don't, I don't know if they're going to quite make it. If they hit that lower level, then we're kind of in trouble. That's the lower level right now is at uh, 136 if they hit it tomorrow. So uh, don't know that that's going to happen, but I am hoping that they kind of make a drawdown from where they're at because like everything else or pretty much everything else I'm looking at, I'm like, dude, this crap is way too overpriced. So I'd like to see a fat drawdown in damn near everything to get back to what I would consider normal. Like after this, man, just looking at any chart after COVID, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like how the hell are all of these companies valued at where they're at? It doesn't, it's just so many of them that I'm just like, doesn't make sense. And it's weird for me to even think about uh, going along anything at the prices they're at, but Hey, people are willing to pay for it. So yeah, sometimes I just like to sell, you know, especially on this stuff. Well, not sometimes, a lot of the time I like to just sell those call spreads, man. I remember for a while there, for weeks, I was selling call spreads on AFRM because it was on this ridiculous run. And I just kept making money because I just knew, you and I were talking about it. I just knew it was on a, it was like up 100% in like 
I don't even know what it was, like a month or two months or some really short period of time. And I'm just like, this thing is going to die. I don't know if it's going to die in a week or three weeks, but it's going to die. So I just kept selling call spreads on it. And then I think, how do you pull it up? I think eventually it had a pretty good drawdown. Oh, wow. Look, it drew down to it's barely above 100 now. Geez. But yeah, I was selling calls on it when it was at like 150, 155. 160 165 and you can see it peaked out at 176 but um yeah about apple that's kind of interesting because they like facebook you can see that nice little pullback they had and that nice little drawdown like already went into a downtrend but apple has not you know make a good point there they have not really had that kind of a drawdown yet they pretty much um have been in an overall uptrend um guess since like june or something if you kind of look at it i mean they've been on a pretty good tear so yeah they definitely look like they're ready to i mean they're still above the 21 on the daily so yeah they have not really been below that since i guess october when they started to rally again so yeah they definitely seem to be due for a death below the 21. You know, I was looking at Apple and I may have texted you about it, but I think I was looking at them in October because I saw them hitting almost the oversold level. And I'm like, man, these guys are probably going to rip. And yeah, I should have did it. <laughs> it went from like 138 to 170. Yeah, it's just, and it doesn't make sense, man. Like I said, I like, I like Apple. They make good products. But every single time they start to have a, a tiny drawdown, all of a sudden this news story comes out that this Apple car, hey, you remember the Apple car? Apple car is coming out. We're going to make an Apple car. And then they have this stupid rally. It's like, uh, dude, you've heard about this Apple car that no one's ever seen and or actually heard any person talk about it's coming out sooner. It's like, dude, anytime they have a drawdown, it's, hey, Apple car, boom, 10% up. <laughs> yeah, they're playing around a little too much in the overbought area recently on the RSI and the daily. So yeah, I would not be surprised if they closed below that 21 and then had a nice little pullback. Yeah. We'll see. They're uh, not quite two ATR up right now. So no. Anyways, those are my two tickers I was looking at. All right. Cool. All right. Was that it, man? Yeah. I don't think I had anything else. All right. We'll see you on the next one. Cool, man. Catch you later. Bye. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of the WS Trades podcast. If you are not subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe. Also head over to YouTube and search for WS Trades. You'll find us there as well. We've got trading updates as we make our trades over there and also educational videos so you can learn about different strategies within the stock market and options trading. And also please head over to wstrades.com. Thanks again.